0: But today we're beginning a new series I've called Following Jesus. And uh, I'm excited about this. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke. In fact, in doing my research, I didn't realize that. But do you know that Luke is the longest book in the New Testament? In fact, I, I found out that Luke, the Gospel of Luke, is just part one of Luke's writing. Part two is the book of Acts. And another fact I didn't know is that Acts is the second longest book in the New Testament. And if you put Luke and Acts together, this is Bible trivia answers, okay? If you ever have a game, if you put Luke and Acts together, Luke is the most prolific author in the New Testament, written more words than anybody else. Now, if I asked you that question before, what would you all say? Well, oh, wrong. Now, Paul wrote more books But the total number of uh, words that were written, Luke uh, has written the most. And so part two the book of Acts shows how uh, Jesus' ministry continued through the early church. And, of course, the Gospel of Luke is about the ministry of Jesus. And so Acts 1.1 says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so Luke wrote this as he begins the book of Acts. The first book is the Gospel of Luke. And so he says the the, uh, theme of the Gospel of Luke is to tell us what Jesus did and what he taught. So that's what we're going to learn as we go through the Gospel of Luke. Now, it says here that I have uh, dealt with in my gospel with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, at the end of Luke's gospel and at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus ascends back into heaven. So how is the, gospel, or, or the book of Acts, how does that have to do with what Jesus continued to do and teach? Well, it's because the book of Acts is a continuation of Jesus' doing and teaching ministry through his disciples, through his followers, And if you're a believer here today, which I believe we all are, we are going to learn as we go through the Gospel of Luke, the things that Jesus did and taught, not just so that we can know what happened in the past, but so that we can learn to do and teach the same things. That's really what it means to follow Jesus, to follow his example. The things he did and taught are the things that we should be doing and teaching now, many people think, well, that was Jesus. You know, we're not Jesus, so how can we possibly uh, do the things that he did? How, how could we even teach the things that he taught? Well, Jesus himself said in John 14:12, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. And so what are these works that Jesus is referring to? If you read the context, he's referring to the supernatural miracles he did, the miracles that brought healing into people's lives. Now, who does this promise, this is a promise, who does it apply to? Well, whoever believes in me. Whoever is a believer, whoever is a person who's been saved, whoever is a follower of Jesus, this promise applies to you. Now, how could that happen? Well, Jesus did all his works. He did all his miracles. He said, we don't have time to look at all the verses, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was working in and through Jesus. And that same power is available to us. Now, why does it say in this verse, greater works than these will, you, will this person who believes do because I'm going to the Father? What's that mean? Well, he ascended to heaven, but what does it have to do with us Down here. Well, after Jesus ascended to the Father, the book of Acts tells us in Acts chapter 2, he began to pour out the power of the Holy Spirit on that early church. And he continues to pour it out even today through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so my prayer is that through this series, God's going to build our faith to believe Jesus to do miracles in and through us by the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to talk about how to get close to God. If you're like me, there are times in our lives and times in my life when I felt distant from God. Times when it seemed like my prayers weren't getting past the ceiling. Anybody else felt like that? There are times like that. But God desires for us to be close to Him. The book of James says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. And so as we seek to draw near to God, God is going to honor that. He's going to draw near to us. Being close to God is where blessing is for our lives. Being close to God is where healing is. Being close to God is where the power of God is. And so we want to learn the secret of of getting close to God. And as I was studying this passage, it was kind of a new revelation to me of the secret of getting close to God. And it came, as you'll see from a passage that I didn't normally associate with getting close to God. The first step, getting close to God, is we need to prepare the way for Jesus into our own lives And we're going to talk about preparing the way for Jesus into other people's lives. We're going to begin in Luke chapter 3 and move on from there as we go on in this series. It says, verse 2, During the the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. Now this is speaking of The person we commonly refer to as John the Baptist. He was the miracle baby born to Zachariah and Elizabeth in their old age. And after he grew up, he left the home and he spent some time in the wilderness. And it says in this verse that the word of the Lord came to him. God spoke to John in the wilderness and told him that it was time for Jesus' ministry to begin. It was time now for John to begin his ministry of preparing the way for Jesus, preparing the way for the Lord. So what did John do? Well, he came out of the wilderness. It says he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So in this verse, we see John's, primary mission and purpose summarized. He was to call on everyone to repent of their sins and undergo this baptism of repentance, he says, so their sins could be forgiven. And as we go on in the passage today, we're going to see what John taught about repentance, what it was all about. But if we look at the Greek word for repentance or to repent, it means to Change one's mind about something. It means to turn around. Like if you're going in one direction, to repent would be to turn around and go in the other direction. That's what repentance means. And so in this case, John's listeners were to repent. They were to change their minds concerning their sin. They were to turn from loving sin to hating sin. They were to turn from hating God to loving God. Of course, those two are related. Of course, if you love sin, you're not loving God. Uh, If you hate sin, you're going to love God. So those things are the evidence of repentance. And so this message of repentance was how John was going to prepare the way for Jesus prepare people's hearts so that when Jesus came, their hearts were open to him to receive his message. Luke tells us this was all prophesied in verse 4. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And so this was prophesied hundreds of years before John appeared on on the scene, he came out of the wilderness with this specific singular purpose to prepare the way for Jesus, the Messiah. And he, his message of repentance prepared people's hearts to receive Jesus and his message. And so John prepared the way for Jesus by calling on people to repent. Now today we want to think about that message that John had, that this calling to repentance repentance is the key to first of all beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ it's also the key to growing in our relationship to drawing closer to God to Jesus for we're going to learn that repentance is not simply a one-time event repentance is a way of life now why is that well The Bible tells us, and we know from experience, that even if we're born again, even if we're saved, we are not made perfect. We still sin, and so we still need to repent on a daily basis. If someone is not a believer, if they've never repented for the first time, that's the first step to establishing a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're already a follower of Jesus, then repentance every day is a way to grow closer to Jesus in that relationship. Now, not only are we to practice repentance in our own lives, we are to follow Jesus by calling on others to repent. The Gospels tell us that summarizes Jesus' message as saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. On the day of Pentecost... Peter's call to the crowd, his first word when they asked him what should they do was repent. Repentance is a firm decision to change one's life with God's help from following sin to following after God. And so that should be part of our message and our witness to people as well. So let's learn some more about repentance from John the Baptist. We need to understand it more fully. Verse 7, he said therefore, this is John to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now it seems that getting baptized with by John was kind of the end thing to do. And so all these crowds were coming. It was like, hey, let's go, let's all get baptized. And uh, it's 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 uh, everybody was doing it, but John was saying just getting wet publicly was not going to do you any good at all. Uh, G- John called out those who were outwardly saying, "Hey, I'm repenting. Get me baptized so I can be baptized with all my friends and put it on Instagram or Facebook or something." And and uh, they weren't really repenting. They were not bearing the fruit of repentance he called them a brood of vipers I mean he didn't mince any words that's that's not a good thing okay a viper is a venomous snake and uh, he he said you need to bear the fruit of repentance repentance is not simply saying certain words repentance is not simply saying sorry please forgive me I I don't want to face the consequences of my sin True repentance is evidenced by our lives changing, by what John calls bearing fruits in keeping with repentance. And John is going to give us some examples about what repentance really is all about as we go through this passage. Verse 9, he says, Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into fire. And so the stakes regarding repentance are, are very, very high. A person's eternal destiny is at stake. Uh, Jesus used the same imagery uh, of, of things being cut down for those who claim to repent and believe but whose lives never changed. And John is saying those people who refuse to repent, who don't, bear good fruit, in keeping with repentance, what they are saying is not matched with what they are doing, they will ultimately be thrown into the fire. What's the fire? Well, he's speaking of hell. That's what Jesus and John used to describe hell. So that is not not a good thing. So what does it mean to bear good fruit? Well, the people had the same question. So John was telling them, you know, you don't bear good fruit, you're going to be thrown into the fire. They go, what shall we do? I mean, we don't want to be thrown into the fire. What should we do? What are you calling us to do? What is the fruit of repentance? And so John began to answer them in verse 11. He answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food to do likewise. it's really interesting, you know, this is a we're going to talk about more, but this first fruit of repentance is to share with others and not hoard things to yourself. And the two things that are mentioned are food and clothing. Those are necessities of life. If you have an abundance of a necessity, you are to share that with those who don't have anything or don't have that. And so This first repentance, this first sin, is not sharing with those who have little. Now, we might not normally think about that as a sin. This is a sin of omission, a sin of not doing something we're supposed to be doing. Now Normally, we think of sin as sins of commission. You know, let's not do the bad thing we're not supposed to do. But this is a sin of not doing a good thing that we are supposed to do. Something we rarely think about. So when you truly repent, that should be the evidence, that should be the fruit. The next example John gives in the next verse, he says, Tax collectors then came to him as he baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. And so tax collectors of that time, they were notorious for collecting more taxes than the government uh, was due. So the government said, you know, I don't know how many uh, you owe 10 brachmas, they might collect 15. Well, for us, it's 15. And they would give the government the 10 and they would keep the 5 or or whatever it is. They they probably collected more than that. The people hated them, but that was how the tax collectors became very rich. They were some of the richest people uh, around because they were padding their own pockets. And so John is saying if you're a tax collector and you're truly repenting you should not collect any more than you're supposed to collect. Because if you do that's basically stealing from people, using your position to steal from people. The third example which we're not going to read the verse was was soldiers and John told the soldiers, don't extort money from people. You know, they were armed, and I guess somehow they were shaking people down and taking money from them. He said, be content with your salaries. Don't extort money from people. Again, don't steal from people. And so uh, those were two negative things, negative examples. People were doing wrong things with respect to, uh, to money. And the first example was not doing a right thing which really is with respect to money too. So all of these things had to do with money if you look at them in one way or another. And so the good fruit of repentance is demonstrated by how we use our money or resources for other people with respect to other people. So let's see how we can better understand repentance in our own lives. Repentance therefore makes a difference in the fruit of one's life. Repentance changes the things that we do. Repentance involves both, as we talked before, about the the things we should be doing or not doing, which we don't talk about nearly enough, as well as the things we are doing that are wrong that we shouldn't be doing. And so that's how we draw closer to God for the first time as we become a believer by repenting. And it's also how we draw closer to God as believers. After we, are, after we are saved. Now sometimes people tell those who aren't saved. And I know what they're getting at. But we have to think about it carefully. Just believe in Jesus. You don't have to clean your life up. Just believe in Jesus. And then later on you can slowly you know, clean things up. I don't know about that anymore. You know, when I'm looking at the call of John the Baptist, the call of Jesus, the call of Peter, repentance is first. And true repentance is making a change in your life. Now, will God help you to make that change? Well, absolutely he will. Uh, Will God help you to bear this good fruit of actually Making a change in your life that demonstrates you've truly repented. Yes, He will. But God is calling on us to make that decision, to repent, a decision of our will, to turn away from our sin and turn to doing the right thing. Repentance is a change of mind leading to a changed life. Now, what about us who are believers? You know, when should we repent? Well, Jesus. Told us in the Lord's Prayer, right? Uh, that's a, a pattern prayer, an example prayer. What are we to how often do we pray the Lord's Prayer? At least daily, right? It's, there's a daily phrase in there. And not that we have to repeat it rotely, but there's important things in there that should be part of our prayer life. And what is one of the petitions? You know, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Depending on translation, that's the gist of it. And so that's instructing us to repent on at least a daily basis. You say, well, Pastor, what if I haven't sinned? Well, you need to look a little closer, right? Perhaps you don't have any outward sin you've done, but what about perhaps things you should have done that you didn't do? Uh, There's always something to repent of on a a daily basis. And as we do that, we draw closer to God. Why is that? Because sin is an impediment in our relationship with God. Sin gets in the way. Sin of any kind. That's why we need to do that on a daily basis. So that our relationship with God is not hindered by the sins that we are so prone to fall into. Now repentance also leads a believer to receive two baptisms. Luke 3.16. Now this isn't. John 3.16, but it's another 3.16 that's very important. John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John now begins to point people to Jesus. He begins to talk about this mightier one than him who is coming, Jesus Christ Christ. Now, John baptized people with this baptism of repentance. Uh, this baptism of repentance that John practiced was was uh, something that was just in this transitional period between John's ministry and, uh, and the inauguration of the church on the day of Pentecost. So it was just a very brief time, this baptism of repentance. Now, there are elements of that that we're going to talk about that are uh, part of our uh, baptism today, baptism in Jesus' name. But he says that he's talking, John now, John is now talking about a different baptism, that Jesus will baptize people with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, when did that happen? Well, it happened after Jesus ascended into heaven. It happened on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus baptized the believers there who were praying with the Holy Spirit And of course, in that first instance, uh, there was fire, tongues of fire were upon their heads. Now that was the only time the tongues of fire appeared, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit continued throughout the book of Acts and to this day. And Jesus, why be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Jesus taught us in Acts chapter 1 that it was so that we'll receive power to be his witnesses, power to live the life that God calls us to live. Verse seventeen, John continues. His winnowing fork is talking of Jesus is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other ex- exhortations, he preached good news to the people. So, John taught that there were two types of people. Those who bore the fruit of repentance were like wheat being gathered into the barn. Uh, wheat is a good thing. And it was being gathered into God's barn, into God's house. Those who did not bear the fruit of repentance was like chaff. You know, it's the husk of the wheat kernel. It was worth nothing. and you would, um, They would throw up the, the harvest and the chaff would blow away. And they would keep the wheat. And here he says the chaff is going to be burned with unquenchable fire. Well, all the fire we know today is quenchable, is it not? Where is unquenchable fire? They're speaking of hell again. Uh, It never stops. Uh, It is there forever for those who do not not repent, who do not bear the fruit of repentance. Now, you might think John was a pretty tough guy, right? He didn't mince any words. Uh, and you might say, well, he's being very negative. But what does this say? It says he preached good news. The message of repentance is good news. Sometimes we make fun of it, right, of people who preach repentance. But it is good news. Why is it good news? Well, the good news is that you can repent and be forgiven. That's good news. You see, if you couldn't repent then your eternal destiny would be sealed forever and ever. But God made a way for us to repent and have our sins forgiven. And that is good news. Now, it goes on in verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, John was baptizing all kinds of people, and when Jesus also had been baptized, John baptized Jesus, we know from the other Gospels, and was praying, Jesus was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So now for the first time in this story about John the Baptist, we are introduced to Jesus. Jesus appears, and as I said before, John baptized Jesus. He didn't want to at the beginning. And Jesus said, you need, you have to. And said, okay, I will do it then. And, uh, of course, Jesus was not baptized for repentance of sin because he had no sin. But Jesus himself said, I'm being baptized basically as an example. Example for other people to follow. That's what it means to follow Jesus, to do the things that he did. He was baptized as an example that we are also to be baptized as believers. In fact, he he gave a command in the Great Commission. uh, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so believers are to be baptized. Uh, People who have believed, not infants, they are to be baptized after you've believed. And baptism, the Greek meaning of the word baptizo is to be immersed under the water and brought back up out of it. Now, believers' baptism also involves repentance. You now, obviously, uh, the, we're going to see from the book of Acts, repentance is first, you put your faith in Jesus, and then you are baptized. Now, in this example, this isn't recognized by a lot of people, in this example of Jesus being baptized... He was baptized and then he prayed. He was praying. And then what happened next? The Holy Spirit came down upon him. Jesus was, in essence, baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came upon him in power for the rest of his ministry. And so Jesus himself experienced two baptisms. And we see from the book of Acts that often water baptism and spirit baptism happened at the same time. It doesn't always have to be that way, but it often did happen that way. And so to follow Jesus, Luke is beginning to show us that that involves two baptisms, being water baptized after you have believed and being spirit baptized. So what we've learned today from John's mission and Jesus' example is made clear in Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. Gave a lengthy message in Acts chapter 2, you can read it, and at the end, uh, people said, what shall we do? And Peter's answer was in Acts 2.38. And Peter said to them, repent, there's that word again. First word, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. There's water baptism. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is spirit baptism. So Peter explains, therefore, the three steps in getting close to God. First of all, this repentance, turning away from your sin, putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Secondly, being water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, Spirit baptism. As we talk, this repentance is something we do on a daily basis. Water baptism as a believer is something you do once, once in your lifetime. Sometimes people say, you know, can I be baptized again? I say, like, well, you know, if you were a believer when you got baptized the first time, no, you don't need to. But somebody's not sure. Sometimes like, you know, my mom made me get Baptized. I'm not sure I was a believer. Okay, well, if you're sure you're a believer now, we'll baptize you again. But normally, once you're baptized as a believer, it's a one-time, one-time thing. Now, spirit baptism is an initial filling with the Holy Spirit, an initial empowering with the Spirit. And in one essence, it, 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 there, it is a one-time thing. It only happens the first time. But we understand from the book of Acts that we need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And so there are subsequent fillings that are recorded there that we need to experience in our lives as we walk with the Holy Spirit. So in that way, being filled with the Spirit is an ongoing process. Spirit baptism is the initial filling, which only happens once. So if you're a believer here today and you haven't been water baptized since becoming a believer, I would encourage you to do that. It's an important step. In following Jesus' example, it's an important step in obeying his teaching. And we have another baptism scheduled for May 29th. We have baptisms on the fifth Sundays. And that's the next fifth Sunday. So if you'd like to be baptized, we encourage you to check a box on the back of your Connect card or speak to me. And we will get you on the list for that. If you haven't been Spirit-baptized... How do you know you've been spirit baptized? You receive a prayer language in which to pray to God in a in a language you don't know. If that hasn't happened to you yet, uh, we encourage you to begin to pray, to ask God. We're going to see from the book of Luke. Luke tells us that we need to ask God for the Holy Spirit. We also have a book out there on the table in the foyer called Power for Life. Um, I can't read the small print, but it's something like how why every believer needs to Be Baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you to pick that up. It's uh, a lot of people uh, prayed after reading this book. It's got a lot of scripture in it after understanding spirit baptism and received uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit. So we encourage you to pick one up to read it. Uh, It's an easy read, uh, but um, it will really help you understand better why and how uh, to be spirit Baptized. You also can come forward uh, at the end of the service. I will pray for you. Uh, One of the things you see in the book of Acts, there are times where people laid hands on other people and prayed for them, and they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that is available at the end of every service. So God desires for each and every believer to follow Jesus in receiving these two baptisms. And so today we focused on this first step of getting close to God as taught by John, repentance. Uh, If you've never repented before, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a few minutes to repent as we pray together to become a believer. If you're a believer, God wants us to live a life of continual repentance, something that we do on on a daily basis. Remembering it's not just the words we pray, it's also the change that God works in our lives as, as we repent. Jesus showed us the example of water baptism and spirit baptism in his own life, and as we follow him in those aspects, and we'll be talking about a lot more things to follow Jesus in, that's not all, that's just the beginning stages, uh, we're going to grow closer and closer to God and be used by him in a greater degree. So to become a believer for the first time, you know, I might change this to RBC. You know, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not sure admit, this is a common way salvation is presented. And to me, I'm not sure that admit captures the whole concept of repentance. You know, admitting, saying it is a part of repentance, admit that I've sinned. Yes, I've sinned. But repentance is not only admitting you've sinned, but turning away from that sin. Secondly, believe that Jesus died on the cross and finally committing your life to following him. So let's bow our heads right now. I'm going to pray and uh, I'd encourage you, if you never prayed a prayer like this before, you'd like to recommit your life, pray along with me. Father, today... I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things. And I repent, I I turn away from that sin and I turn towards you. I want to follow you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me, come into my life. I commit myself to following you and your plan for my life from this day forward. Let's also pray. Father, We thank you for this message from John the Baptist from thousands of years ago about repentance, about preparing the way for Jesus. Help us to repent on a daily basis, to keep our hearts in tune with you, to draw near to you each and every day through repentance. Not just saying words, but seeking your power to help us to bear the fruit of repentance, that our lives would be continually changing, that our lives would be continually drawing closer to you. We believe as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. God, we pray for any here that aren't water baptized, that they would make a decision to follow you in that. And for those who aren't spirit baptized, we pray that they would have a hunger and thirst for that good gift that you offer to each and every believer, and receive that into their lives so they will have the power of the Spirit operating in a new dimension. Help us to follow you, Jesus, in everything we do and everything we say. Help us not to put you on such a a pedestal that we can't possibly do what you do, God. You created us to follow you. You created us to follow your example, You created us to be Christians, those who act like Jesus, help us to live out your calling on each of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you made a commitment or recommitment of your life today, we have some materials for you in the foyer, uh, Startup Studies, New Believers, New Testament, we encourage you to pick those up. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to continue our series in following Jesus. We're ca- going to talk about overcoming temptations. And if you just follow along, I think that will be the next chapter in Luke. So we're in Luke chapter 3 today. Next Sunday, we'll be in Luke chapter 4. Now, as we do, towards the end of the service is a time for healing prayer. We're going to pray for... Healing of all kinds, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, either for the people here today in person, uh, the people who are listening online, or people that you know that you'd like to us to pray for. Well, our scripture today is from Numbers 21.9. It says, so Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. What's that all about? Well, I'm not going to go into great detail, but there were venomous snakes that were biting the people as part of God's judgment. And the people were dying from from these bites. And so God told Moses to make a bronze serpent, put it up on the pole. And when people in faith looked on that bronze serpent, they were healed. Now for us today, that bronze serpent on a pole is represented by Jesus on the cross. And he became sin for us. That's why uh, the serpent represents Jesus and the sin that he had put on him. And when we look to Jesus, we put our faith and trust in Jesus. He can bring healing into our lives, into our situation. So if you have something in your life that you would like healing from today or you know somebody close to you that needs healing, I'd like to ask you just as simply as an act of faith, raise your hand and we're going to pray together. And my hands up, there's a number of people that I'm going to be praying for. We're going to pray for that. So let's just keep our hands up as we pray as a sign of our faith and calling on God. Father, today we... Come before you, and we thank you that you are a God who heals. You've healed in the all through the Old Testament. You've healed through the ministry of Jesus. You've healed through the early church in the book of Acts. You've healed, we can tell from the writings of Paul. You're still a healer today. We thank you that you bring healing into our lives. We pray for all the all the sicknesses and illnesses of different types that are represented by these raised hands. We pray for your healing power to go into those situations, God, and bring healing. And God, if you need us to go to the people who are sick and lay our hands on them and pray for them, we pray that you give us the opportunity and the faith to do that. We thank you, God, that you are a God who heals, that the power of your spirit is able to bring health and wholeness in every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.